about semi pro today yep uh <laughs> the thing about this movie too is it's like uh i think as far as like will ferrell's like movies go uh it's one of those ones that like you might not immediately remember like when you're thinking of like will ferrell stuff because usually people think of like you know anchorman they'll think of like you know probably talladega nights and like that kind of stuff but then it's like but then you're like you start thinking about semi pro and then when you remember the movie you're like oh yeah there was some like really funny shit in this movie you know and also Woody Harrelson too which is awesome yeah yeah he's gonna be carnage <laughs> right uh yeah Will Ferrell came up with the the basis of the song in his audition no really for Jackie Moon so yeah there, there you go because uh that's just somehow that got put into his audition which is just classic Will Ferrell Right, you know, just something. Um, this was the last sports movie he did, and the last sports movie that he said he'll ever do. Oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately, because he's really good at him. Right. Well, and also he's kind of becoming old now, so <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, yeah, I'm gonna be like fifty something, being like, I'm a football player. <laughs> right. It's like no, uh, um, <laughs> that's just not gonna work, man. Yeah, highest paid SNL actor of all time, of all time. Uh, not surprisingly, uh, uh, Warren Michael didn't really start paying these guys tons of money until Will Ferrell, you know, pretty much. And now, now he doesn't really pay them that much now. It was just pretty much that generation well, got yeah. paid tons, which was like the Will Ferrell, Adam Sandlers, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Uh, and then like uh, Chris Kattan and... Chris Kattan? Um... Yeah, because that would have been uh, Rachel Dratch. Dratch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon, yeah. Superstar. Superstar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Molly Shannon was probably paid 
A few dollars. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, hey, after that era, then we get the Tina Fey-Amy Poehler era. Yeah, which they yeah. should have been. Tina Fey probably should have been the highest paid as an L member of all time, just right. to be honest. Because, because she was a writer, too. She was a writer, too. Not just on-screen yeah. talent. She she just did so much things. But I get the Will Ferrell thing, because he was probably, like, one of their biggest draws since Chris Farley. Um uh, Will Ferrell was the first and last guest of the Conan O'Brien show. Because uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Conan O'Brien's still on air, but it's not the Conan O'Brien show. Yeah, now it's just called Conan. Conan. Late night with Conan O'Brien. With Conan, yeah. Uh, which, speaking of Conan, Andy Richter's in this movie. Yay! Andy Richter, yes, see, it was coming all the way around because yeah. Andy Richter's in this movie because... Of Conan, because like how Conan. much time Will Ferrell spent with Conan and Wagner right. is always there. Yeah. Uh, roommates, uh, Will Ferrell was roommates with John Stewart in college. Oh, Did really? Did you know that? What, at USC? Yeah. Oh, really? That's crazy. That is crazy. Because yeah. I would have thought John Stewart didn't go to USC. I would have thought he went to like some New York college. He probably went to multiple colleges. He probably in my, did. In my thought of him, I don't know. This this episode isn't about John Stewart or I would have looked it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Okay. Uh, but first, let's talk about what are we drinking today, John? Oh, the beer. Okay, so this is, uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, Lagunitas. <laughs> this is, the, this is a Lagunitas Brown Sugar. And it's uh, this is by Lagunitas Brewing Company, which is Petaluma, California, and Chicago, Illinois. Uh, but it is a ten percent alcohol. It is get you fucked up. It, it if you drink enough of this, yeah. Like when I I drank uh, one of these before we ate, and I felt it a little bit. I had to kind of back off um, because it's uh, you know it, it gets you. But uh, brown sugar ale. I was going to give it a two point five star. That's probably what I was going to give it a two and a half because its initial taste, when you first taste it, it's bitter. But it's called Sweet Release, or it has Sweet Release under the brown sugar logo. Yeah. So when you, after after you drink it for like a little bit, it starts to get sweeter. So it's like, if it didn't have that weird, like, uh, like really hoppy, like bitter, like first taste, it would be very, very good. But it's like, it, it. It has to. You have to kind of get used to it. Yeah, we're not super fans of bitter beers. So. Yeah, very hoppy bitter beers yeah. really piss us off. So. But other than that, this is a pretty fine beer. And but we gave it a two point five stars, which is which means you should. It's still really try. good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It just wasn't exactly what I was expecting. But then again, the box really doesn't tell you much about what it what it is. It was just, it was a decent prize, and I thought, like, oh, hell, I'll try it. I really haven't tried anything from, from Lagunitas before. I've heard of them, but, but yeah, but it's pretty good. Uh, you know, two, two and a half, I think, is pretty good. 2.5. Yeah, it, it's a mystery. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this movie, the one thing about this movie is that it is, in terms of, like, comedies in, in general, comedies. A lot of times you have comments that are that will repeat themselves, especially when you have somebody like Will Ferrell doing it. It's just like anything that like Jack Black does. Most people say like, okay, well, it's just Jack Black playing the same character, slightly different in every movie. And then people say the same thing about Will Ferrell. It's like he's basically, you know, he's always going to base all of his characters off of a particular type. Like he's always gonna be, you know, like he's gonna be Ron Burgundy, but Ron, what if Ron Burgundy played basketball? Or he's gonna be Ron Burgundy, and what if Ron Burgundy could drive a NASCAR? You know, like people always say that, like he's, 
He's just like he has like one archetype and he never gets any different. I don't agree and with that. And that all. kind of thing. And I'm like, no, I mean, Ricky Bobby in terms of a character is completely different from Ron Burgundy and Burgundy's mm-hmm. different from Jackie Moon and you know, all these characters have their own special flavor. His character from Blades of Glory is completely different. Yeah, you know, definitely way different. Uh, way different, you know, but I think that that's part of it is that you when you watch comedy movies, it's like there are going to be some things that are going to feel familiar because you know, you're used to that person's type of comedy. Right. And right. that kind of thing. But it's like to, it's like the same thing. It's like, uh, I, I call it Keanu Reeves syndrome. Right. Where if somebody's like, oh, hey, Keanu's in this movie. So he's either going to be doing, um, he's going to be ripping off Neo from the Matrix or he's going to be a dumb stoner type guy like he was in Bill and Ted. And it's like, she really only ever done that in Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the thing <laughs> is, is that like people always want to say that they, that these actors play the same character like over and over again. They just have different names, maybe a different accent or a different voice. And it's the same thing. It's like people always rip on, you know, Will Ferrell about it, but it's like his characters are very distinctly different, you know? So I feel like when I'm looking through comments and people are like, you know, I like Will Ferrell. I hate this movie. I like Will Ferrell. I hate this movie. And then I found people that are like, I hate Will Ferrell. I don't know why I watched this because I don't like him anyway. I thought I'd give it a chance because it had Woody Harrelson. And then other people were like, okay, I thought, well, if Woody's in it, maybe it'll be all right. If Woody's in it, it'll be okay. You know, and like that kind of stuff. And it's like, when I'm going through, I'm like, there isn't a whole ton of comments that are distinctly different. If you want to get an idea of how much people are sheep, go into the IMDb comments and see one person write something that's like, you know, maybe four or five paragraphs. And you're like, okay, this guy made it and, you know, he made his point and that was good. Then you scroll down and you see like everybody copied exactly what that dude said (laughs) in like the same year. So right, it wasn't like right. they went back to it several years later and they're like, oh yeah, this guy was right. They were like, yeah, no, I'm going to jump onto what that guy said. It's like, you motherfuckers need to have a mind of your own because if you're just repeating what some other jackass said, you're not really adding anything to the conversation. Yeah. And everybody want and like if you look this up on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 23, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's bad. Critics fucking hated this movie like well, so bad critics hate everything except yeah. especially their lives right so let's get into it it's like i hate myself so i'm gonna write about will ferrell on the internet it's like go fuck yourself really will ferrell's a happy guy right yeah he's, he's three kids yeah i mean don't don't hate just because you know your life is sad his isn't um but uh since we're talking about all will ferrell here i'll, I'll get into it i'm trying to move this window out of the way here okay <laughs> so fuck off window fuck off you little window okay piss um, off ghost cause that has the the recording time and shit on it okay so <laughs> you guys need to know that this is what happens right. in the studio <laughs> right this is what happens behind the scenes we just broke the fourth wall right <laughs> John's fucking around with shit on his computer and he's trying to be the podcast CM Punk right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's like, oops, breaking the fourth wall. Not, um, not the pussy bitch CM Punk. Of not now. the one that the gets, good one. The good not one. the one that gets his ass beaten in UFC. We're talking about the one that. There was a superstar wrestler, and he'd speak his mind. Not the right. whatever he is now. Yeah. Pussy bitch that draws Thor and shit. <laughs> but uh, since we're we're talking UFC. about Will Ferrell, I'll go ahead and I'll just get into it, so we can we can just get the Will Ferrell hate out of the way immediately. Okay. Right. 
So it says, uh, uh, I am a Will Ferrell fan. I've liked all his movies and I own them all. Whether it's fair or not, this movie will be regarded as a blemish on his career. Was it good? No. All of his other movies can be watched over and over, but if you watch this one once, you won't care to watch it again. And if you're like me, you'll be upset that you lost an hour and a half of your life that you can never get back. Uh, I don't think Will Ferrell's... I don't think it's Will Ferrell's fault, though, unless he wrote the script. I also happen to be a fan of Woody Harrelson. I think it takes an exceptional hunk of shit script to wreck a movie with these two established comedy actors. So that's one comment from one one person, so I'll go in the other half of it. Okay. Uh, after sitting through this movie, I began to ponder why I did not like it. It had all the feral-isms of his other movies, Ron Burgundy, Chad Michael Michaels, Ricky Bobby, etc., all made an appearance. So why had a classic formula failed so miserably here? And then it hit me. It's because Will Ferrell cannot carry a movie on his own. He is a great catalyst for actions within a movie. However, he cannot be the focus of a movie. True, Ron Burgundy was a hilarious character, but what about his news crew? How many lines are quoted from the, his quartet of idiots? Uh, or Chad Michael Michaels. Uh, Will Ferrell needs, a, a, needs to remember his strengths lie in strong comedic ensembles whether he has demonstrated uh while he has demonstrated some actual acting talent he still will never be able to carry a film on his own (laughs) wow um and that was something that i saw people repeat like that's when i was talking about you know people being sheep and just repeating what, what another guy said people continuously said that like okay this movie is very will ferrell heavy and he feels people felt like he was better in movies like Anchorman, where he had like Paul Rudd and he had Keckner and he had like you know uh, Steve Carell and all these guys that were around him immediately, that were like his news crew people that that helped out the story, and they felt the same thing about you know Ballad of Ricky Bobby and uh, that really kind of stuff. That like he has John to have C. John C. Riley in order for him to be strong Step in the movie. Step Brothers. He has to have John C. Riley um, in order for that movie to work. And it's like he doesn't have to have John C. Riley, although John C. Riley does add a lot to his movies. But what about a movie like Elf? Yeah, which he was uh, offered twenty nine million dollars to do an Elf two, and he said no because that doesn't make any sense. Um. <laughs> He didn't want to do it because it watered down. And then the script writer, which this guy, the the previous guy was blaming this story for, is Scott Armstrong. Right. He wrote Old School. Yeah, classic. Which is a classic comedy. He wrote Road Trip. Okay. Which is the movie that started all the Road Trip movies. Right. Like, it started an entire other genre of comedies. Right. <laughs> kind of like how the National Lampoons like created their own style of comedies, yeah. Yeah, and then like uh, the Heartbreak Kid. I don't know if anybody uh, remembers that. Shawn Michaels? Was, no, it oh. was the Ben Stiller movie called The Heartbreak Kid. It was oh, okay. really good. Uh, he wrote Semi Pro, obviously, and then Hangover Two. Hangover Two, okay. The Hangover Two, Todd Phillips, The Hangover Two. So he isn't a shitty writer. Um, no, definitely not. Especially, all you had to say was old school, and I'm like, oh, well, shit, this guy knows what he's doing. Because yeah, old school is hilarious. Then he also directed the the, the movie uh, Search Party. Search Party. Which has, like, um, you know, Jason Manzoukas and 
What's up, jerks? Uh, yeah, what's up, jerks? Yeah, speaking uh, of how did this get made... Thomas Middlebitch. <laughs> <laughs> that dude from Silicon Valley and then TJ Miller. Uh, yeah, uh, how did this get made? What we were about to say is... Uh, Sean Van Dien's been talking about it. Right. We haven't really paid that much attention to it, but they stole one of our jokes on their latest episode. Yeah, because... Okay. Uh, Without shouting us out, you can steal all the jokes you want from us. Shout us out, though, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we'll shout, shout you out. We'll say something like... You know, like we just said, that's from How Does This Made, Jason Manzukas. Yeah. Uh, up, we we said jerks? that since the, the beginning. We always yeah, shout those we guys always, out. Yeah. I don't know why they're being all shy about, uh, you know, ripping us off. Right, yeah. It's yeah. like how many, how many it's like, because your, your favorite podcasters, mm-hmm. you know, Steve and John, uh, have always had this, we've always had this joke since we did the Matrix movies about people... Not paying attention to movies because they were fucking around playing Snake on a Nokia, Nokia phone. phone yeah. That was Steve's joke. And then all of a sudden, it just magically pops up in Paul Shear's uh, yeah. stuff he for... He was the one that said it, too. So. Yeah, so Paul and Shear all of a sudden just magically comes up with this, huh? So you have same a podcast... Exact, same exact joke in, right. in your podcast. I mean, if you're gonna listen to our stuff, shout us out, say our name. I yeah, mean, we're we're okay if you wanna if you wanna borrow one of our jokes, but just be like, you know, hey, this is this is from Beyond the Hate. Shout out to those guys. It's always yeah. been a funny joke. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, that's cool, you know. Thanks. Yeah, yeah cool. But if you're gonna take our shit and and then you know take you know act like the joke was just totally yours, we're 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 Beyond the Hate though, so we're gonna yeah. do the right thing. We're gonna hand this stuff over to our pal Sean Van Dien. And then let him eat you alive, right? Yeah, we're beyond the hate. He isn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he he'll definitely embrace some hate. So uh, go listen. So your source of news, guys, should be FUCT News. Remember to get fucked. Yeah, um, do that. But uh, <laughs> the, I, I think the thing when people say that like Will Ferrell needs to have somebody with him, even you know, I even had uh, one comment that I saw. I didn't copy it down because I, I remembered it well enough. But uh, somebody was saying that like, well. You know the uh, night the Roxbury uh, movie. They were like that sketch doesn't work if he doesn't have Chris Kattan with him. Like he couldn't just do that on his own. And I was like, but that's different. Like they're supposed to be brothers. So yeah, it's like, like you can't say that. Yeah, obviously it wouldn't work on his own. Right, because what the fuck? The, the whole sketch is designed like, around two like asshole brothers. Literally, that are nobody co-goers. could do that on their own. Right, it makes no sense on right. their own. There has to be two or three people. Yeah, Step Brothers doesn't fucking work at all. Without John C. Without John C. Riley. But it also doesn't work without Will Ferrell. So you right. can't be like, well, John C. Riley could have done Step Brothers by himself. It's like, no, the fuck he couldn't. And we he love John have. C. Riley. We've always yeah. loved John C. Riley because he's talented as shit. He's funny, but he can also do drama. He can do all. He can do whatever the yeah, fuck he wants he's to. He's kind of one of those guys where it's like, uh, he's just like an everyman yeah. actor. He can do whatever you he want really him to is. be. He's a chameleon. He's a chameleon. He's like he's clay. You can mold him into whatever you want him to be. Yeah, kind of like so, a Scarlett Johansson type. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But the, I think the thing with with John C. Riley is that if you were like, okay, we're gonna have John C. Riley doing, um, like the Step Brothers movie, and you didn't have Will Ferrell as the other Step Brother, it's like, I don't think that movie would have worked if it was just John C. Riley and then. Somebody who's not like Will Ferrell, I wouldn't have worked. It was like John C. Riley and like, I don't know. Let's see, who? like Mark Wahlberg or something. <laughs> oh my god! No. You'd have been like, "That's just no way this is gonna work," you know? Nah, yeah. See, that wouldn't have worked. You would have had to have Will Ferrell for that in order yeah. for that to really feel like 
Like these two guys. He is good at comedy, Mark Wahlberg. Is. Yeah, like Daddy's Home, another but, Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, because you know people could also make the argument like, well, Daddy's Home isn't as funny if you don't have Mark Wahlberg, and it's like. Yeah, but it's also not funny if you don't have Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. You you know. So everything he does, he has a, a really uh, specific role in it, and he has usually the biggest role in it because like in daddy's home he is the main character yeah he's what the he's he's the one who the story is based on but even in this movie he's got monix right because he has woody harrelson as kind of like the secondary character the other main character of the story is monix monix and then uh clarence and then yeah well coffee coffee black coffee black sugar dunkerton Sugar Dunkerton and all, you know, all of his stuff, different which is Andre aliases. Benjamin. Yeah, Andre uh, 3000. Andre 3000. Will Ferrell, I thought something else was interesting because he uh, he says something really um, specifically in this movie because he says Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell calls Ed Monix a, he says it just like this, a tenacious D fender. Right. <laughs> I think he was he was doing that on purpose for like tenacious D. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know because that's part of the, the what do they call it the the frat pack. Yeah. The Jack Black and Will Ferrell aren't uh-huh. they part of the frat pack with Ben Stiller and Steve Carell and. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of those guys have worked with each other for so long. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're all in uh-huh. it. Yeah. I guess Jason Siegel would be in that too, wouldn't he? Siegel, maybe. Well, I always thought Jason Siegel was more from like Judd Apatow's group because that's like he's from the Apatow, like the Franco, from, Seth yeah, Rogen, like, yeah, and stuff. I yeah, guess Franco, they would just Rogen. be like the the stoner pack or something. Right? Like yeah, that. that's like the Apatow pack, and then yeah. um, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, the uh, the Italian girl, like she's always she was in like right. Freaks and Geeks. What the hell is her name now? I'm forgetting it. Um, uh, damn, it's going to bug me now like, until I can think of it. Um, it's fine. We'll come back around. Right. <laughs> it's, it, watch, I'll just randomly call her name out at one point. I'll be like, that's the chick that was on Freaks and Keys. Uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Right, yeah. Sometimes your brain just needs time to think. You know? Sometimes you just call her name out. Right, yeah. <laughs> like in the throes of passion. No. <laughs> Sure. But uh but I think the the thing a lot of times with uh Will Farrell is that like he can do movies where he's like the focal point and people are like, Well, but he's not really funny unless he's like surrounded by you know, like people always point to Anchorman's like, Well, but he's surrounded by Paul Rudd and Keckner and, you know, uh Steve Carell and like all these different people and it's like, yeah, I mean but the thing that made Anchorman great was that you had those side characters like that, but the main character that everybody remembers from that movie is Ron Burgundy. He's the right. most memorable one. Same thing with Semi Pro. If you said, "Okay, what are your what's your feeling about Ed Monix?" People would be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And it's like Woody Harrelson from Semi Pro, and they're like, "Oh, Woody Harrelson. Okay, I forgot about that." But if you're like, "What's your thoughts on Jackie Moon?" People will be like, "That was fucking hilarious. I love Jackie. He's awesome. Yeah, you know, love me sexy." Because you remember his main character's names, you remember how they they do things. You remember his main characters more than you do the side characters. You know. Actually, the character I remember the most is Dukes in this movie. Dukes, <laughs> right? Which is Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley. And you're like, how the fuck does he go from being some like weird like homeless bum hippie guy to like 
to be in Jackie Earl Haley like we know him now. Yeah, like yeah. Badass I mean, it actor. was so it was so great just to just to see him in the movie and it was like, yeah, he did not think he was gonna hit that shot for ten thousand dollars and it's like that's okay. He's like, the you sponsors go are gonna pay for it. Who the fuck has ten thousand dollars? All right. He's like, well, the beer company will pay for it. He's like, no, I just said that shit because it sounded professional. <laughs> it's like, He's like, I don't have ten thousand dollars. He also fucked up on the free corn dogs thing too. It's yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was trying to make a fucking. He like body tackled v- Vakitis uh, when he was going towards the uh, going towards Learn the goal. English, you stupid fuck, fuck right? Because <laughs> he ended up getting one twenty six points, and he has like thousands of people that want free corn dogs, and he's just fucking dogs, runs. Corn dogs, he's like, you know what? And he just, fucking just takes off fucking running. Takes off running, yeah. Um... But uh, but that's the thing. It's like for people who want to say that like Will Ferrell can't carry a movie by himself. It's like he never carries a movie by himself. Realistically, unless unless maybe you want to count count Elf because I'm like I don't remember who the second character really would be for Elf. It's it's mainly it's James about James Con. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, you know. It, but yeah, pretty much he carries that movie completely by himself. But you know. People can't really carry movies by themselves, except I've seen Destination Wedding with uh, Keanu Reeves and one other writer. They carry that entire movie over conversation. Like, literally every other character is a background character. They only talk about those characters, and you can see them moving, but they never have any direct interaction with them on screen. Right. And it's brilliant. Because it's just listening to Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder do scenes for an entire movie. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. I really think Will Ferrell could do something like that. Like, that Everything Must Go movie that Will Ferrell did, which I never got all the way through. But it was, like, uh, critically, like, enjoyed. And it's mainly him in his yard. Right. Just being like, you know, I'm divorcing or whatever the hell the story was. And he was just depressed and just sitting in his yard for most of the movie. So, don't tell me he can't carry a movie. I mean, he also helps other people in other movies. Like, Get Hard, which is a, you know, uh, him and Kevin Hart or whatever. He's funnier than Kevin Hart in that movie. And, you know, but it's like, when people want to talk shit about Will Ferrell, it's like, yeah, but... You know he's been in Hollywood for like a good chunk of, of time because he's been he's been doing movies in Hollywood since like what what did they do Night at the Roxbury that was like ninety nine, two thousand something like yeah, it's that. It's been a long fucking. He's time. been making movies pretty much since he since he left SNL. He's been doing his own movies and it's like, he's made like really fantastic movies. One of my favorites and we'll we'll probably get to it eventually is the. Talladega Nights because I Talladega fucking Nights. I fucking love that movie. I'm not a NASCAR guy, but you don't have to be to appreciate that movie because well, it's, it's hilarious. Much making fun of because it's making fun of NASCAR. If anything, I'm like that's one of the reasons I think I like it as much as I do. And it's got Sasha Baron Cohen, which as is the, pretty much saying an F1 driver can just come to NASCAR and like read books and shit and be everybody. right. It's like <laughs> you, they would just breeze through it because the shit you have to do in F1 is so much more complicated than NASCAR. But NASCAR doesn't have enough money to actually get an F1 driver no. to come there. Like, if they got, like, Indianapolis Matt, could get Fernando Alonso to do the Indianapolis 500. If they actually got, like, say they got Max Verstappen to go into NASCAR or whatever, when, like, for, like, hey, we'll give you, like, a bunch of money, Max, just to come over for, like, two years. And he's like, sure. And it's like, 
he would just be like winning races, just like what. <laughs> Like what this isn't you, difficult for you. He'd yeah. be like, "What? What exactly am I doing?" It's like you're you're going left at 200 miles an hour. It's like, is this when quali- do I go right? When it's we like, do a road when, course. When is qualifying over? Right. It's like, <laughs> no, you've been winning all these races, Max. These haven't been qualifying. He's like, "Oh shit, I didn't realize." I have just been doing this like I do qualifying. Right. Yeah. I thought we were getting to the race. Yeah, I didn't realize we were actually running the race yet. This it's is like, boring. <laughs> right. Yeah, because they. I mean, because they. Uh, They'd be like, "Well, you're up by like a hundred points, Max." It's like, how do you score this? Right. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> But uh, just as a little side note, since we're on it, I was like uh, looking at like a thing where, like Max, sometimes when he's in when he's in off season time, because right now F one's in their you know winter time, and you know they they're they're doing stuff at the factory, but the drivers basically this is their vacation time, and so Max in his off time he'll jump on to like i racing or he'll do like sim racing online, and he would uh, somebody would go through there like one of their like professional drivers that like races for i racing that's part of the team would go onto a track and set, like, a, a really, really good time, Max would go on there and beat them by, like, three-tenths. And they're like, how the fuck can Verstappen find three-tenths on this using the exact same car that these professionals do? And it's like, that's the difference between an F1 driver and a guy who, like, learned how to do it from his house. Right. Max actually can do this shit in a real car, in a real F1 car, for real, with the stresses and the pressure and the heat and this humidity and everything you have to deal with in the cockpit of that car and having to deal with all the shit on the radio and all the politics and he still can find three tenths more than some other people and they were like it's because he finds lines and he finds ways to attack a track that other people don't take because they don't think they can make it and it's like he finds out how to do that that's why he can find that extra time and it's like and that's how he finds that cocaine right <laughs> uh, allegedly we're not saying Max does coke um, he does drink a lot of Red Bull though but he's like 20 that's basically so cocaine it was like 21 I mean I drink it all the time so maybe it is cocaine who knows uh, <laughs> but uh, but the but I think uh, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll take a break here and then when we come back um We'll talk about. Oh, okay. So what we'll do is we'll talk about how this shits this this shits on Flint, Michigan. We'll we'll talk about that. Let's shit on Flint, Michigan. <laughs> as if they haven't been through enough shit as it is. <laughs> Out of my face. <laughs> the funk out of my face, motherfucker. 
That's one of those classic songs. Yeah. It's like, no, he called you a cocksucker. That's what he called That's you. That's what yeah. he called you, uh, cocksucker. <laughs> it's like, I thought... You... It's just, uh, he just said you sucked cock. <laughs> he just said you sucked cock. That's all. We're all just having fun here. It's like, no, you called me a fucking jive turkey. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's yeah. not loaded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. LOL, though, it actually was it loaded. It was loaded. <laughs> it just was jammed. <laughs> Imagine how many people could have died handling that <laughs> fucking gun. <laughs> and then it shoots his, uh, then it shoots like his, uh, his buddy in the fucking arm, his, his arms in the cast. Cast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it was like, everybody's, uh, lucky except, except Cornelius. Yeah. I did get shot. <laughs> and he's just like laughing. He's like blood pouring out of his cast. It's like, dude, you need to go get that scene <laughs> too. Meadows is like, I did get shot. I did get shot, yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, man. Yeah, it's... Um, it, the, this this comment here, when I read when I read this one, uh, since we'll just, we'll just jump right back into everything... This comment when I when I read it, I was like, "Is this for real? Like, is this like a real thing? Is this real life? Did a real person write this? Did somebody, or really was re- this a bot? Or was this like a like a bot from Russia? Right? Um, Fucking Russian bots. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of this. Right? Yeah. So it says, um, unless you think stereotyping working class cities and people is funny, you won't like Semi Pro. Will Ferrell, uh, ABA basketball, the seventies humor." Uh, I'll take a backseat to the real storyline and exhausting punchline. People from blue-collar backgrounds with ambitions and aspirations beyond the world uh, they are supposed to know are foolish idiots for thinking their hopes and dreams are tenable. It's so bad, you can't help wondering how and why this movie got green-lighted. It's almost as if Hollywood studio execs got together after Michael Moore's famous Oscar acceptance speech to draw straws to determine which studio would sacrifice its reputation in order to undermine and discredit Moore's upbringing and worldview once and for all. Then it was simply a matter of employing the most sinister and subversive weapon in their arsenal, frat boy comedy aimed at 18 to 35-year-old suburban white males. It's not like we're ever going to see an action-packed historical epic about the Flint sit-down strikes coming out of Hollywood. No, no. I can't have working-class pride getting in the way of the upper-crust efforts to justify their false superiority and the manner in which they treat the, the people who actually do the work that generates the wealth that butters their bread. So, somebody watched this and got really pissed off over Yeah, this the, movie was made before the whole, you know, poisoning of Flint, Michigan. Right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, they made money off this, but it was, you know... It's a comedy. So they make fun of things that right. might piss some people off. And um, I mean, we, we live in Alabama, and there's some movies that make fun of, of Alabama, and it's like... Yeah, they always do the racist thing and the inbreeding stuff all the, all right. the time. That's, everybody knows the inbreeding is Mississippi, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you get your states mixed up. Right. But you We're know. known for our football. They're known for their cousin fucking. You know, it happens. That's what's what you're known for. Yeah, that's what you're known for. <laughs> we I mean, have national championships. They have inbreeding. <laughs> and that, that's, just, that's just some... We know yeah. Mississippi's more than that, but see how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah, to that hear just it? sounds crazy. It's like, oh, the, you you you're limited to this one thing. And Flint, Michigan, this movie was made before anything, 
you know, came out bad about Flint, Michigan, Michigan. And even if it hadn't, who cares? You know, not who cares about Flint, Michigan. That that is a that is a topic on a government level, though. Right. Not a not a movie making level. That's not something that they do. You know, unless you're talking about documentaries. If this was like, hey, this is a documentary about Flint, Michigan. You know, fuck you. We got Will Ferrell in it. We're gonna just do like a bunch of basketball and shit. Right. <laughs> then maybe get pissed. But this was just a this was just an innocent comedy. Right. Nothing crazy happens in well, this movie. It, but like, that's the thing. It's too like, crazy. The the thing that they're complaining about is that the entire town of Flint, Michigan gets shit on because in the movie they have, you know, the real life ABA was like, you know, hey, we're going to merger with the NBA and some of the teams are going to get killed off because they're in smaller markets. Like, let's not forget there's, you know, like the Kentucky Colonels. That was a real, that was a real thing. There was a basket professional basketball team in Kentucky, and it got taken away during this well, merger. Well, pretty much everything, all the other teams almost were real. Yeah, yeah. actually, what I read was every other team was real, except yes. the Flint, Michigan Tropics. Yeah, the, the Flint Tropics. That was the, yeah, only, that team was the fictional. only fictional team in all of it. So they actually didn't really make fun of any of the other teams. The only team that was considered like sort of a shithole was isn't real. Was the Tropics, which and wasn't never a real basketball was team. Real. So they're not really making fun of. You remember that scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Whenever, um, ah, shit, what's his name? Uh, ben Affleck's character, shit, Banky. Banky is trying to explain to them that uh, these people on the internet aren't making fun of them. Right, yeah. And he was like, they're not making fun of you. They're making fun of the characters, Blunt Man, Blunt and, Chron- Man and Chronic. And right. he was like, but that is or whatever. And he was like, what us. am I not telling you? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, they are fictional characters. Char- fictional characters. characters. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, nah, man. Hey, you know, and yeah, all they're, that. They're but actually it, talking shit about us for real. It's like, uh like, There's nothing you can do about James it besides going, <laughs> going to beat everybody's ass. Which is precisely what they do. Is what they do at the end of them. <laughs> right. Are you so-and-so from moviepoopshoot.com? Yeah, that's me. And they just they proceed to beat their up ass. and a little kid. Right, yeah. Like all these different people who just go around just around the country just kicking people's ass because they posted hateful shit online about their movie and stuff or their comics or whatever. But that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to talk about, you know, like this this movie shits on Flint, Michigan, it's like, no, the thing is, is that Flint isn't the kind of city that really could legitimately hold a basketball team. The only team in Michigan that really can do that is Detroit because they have the Pistons, you know. But that's the thing. It's like, that was just the reality of it. It's like, look, this isn't the kind of town that can be a basketball town. You know what Flint, Michigan is? It's one of the places where Ford, Ford Motor Company is. You know, like yeah. they're they're a, a vehicle, they're a manufacturing city because you have all that manufacturing stuff that's done in Flint, Michigan. They even and, and say it. Dodge there too. They they even say it in the movie. They're like Jackie Moon's the most important person in this uh, uh, in Flint's history. In Flint history, in this community, is so much he did to it. And then Dick Pepper feels like, well. Yes, him and uh, uh, probably Henry, Henry Ford. Ford. Yeah, him and uh, probably Henry Ford. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, because they were like, Jackie's the most the most influential person in Flint, and it's like, no, I'm pretty sure it'd be Henry probably Ford. Henry it? Ford, a fucking Ford Motor Company, uh, damn you know, Nazi supporter, right? Uh, 
Which, you know, fun fact, because some people are probably like, no, man, Ford didn't like Nazis. Henry Ford very much liked Nazis. They bought his stuff. Yeah, the Nazis did buy his stuff, and Henry also... Henry Ford's money always went one. Like, if you have the money, he will build you some shit. Right. Well, Even he, at the cost of his country. He also had a, uh, he had, what was it, like the, it was like the equivalent of like a Medal of Honor. Uh, from Hitler. From Hitler himself. Yeah, he sent him a Nazi medal because yeah. of his contributions to the to the Nazi party because of his vehicles and his support and everything. Because Henry Ford, let's not get it twisted. It's like, now that's not to say the Ford Motor Company is, is like supporting Nazis. We're not saying that. We're saying Henry Ford liked Nazis. The creator of the Ford the, Company. Yeah, the creator of the Ford Motor Company was actually like a really uh, big fan supporter. of Hitler. <laughs> so uh, think about that next time you're driving around in your Camry. You're right. Or, no, that's, that's a Toyota. That's a Toyota. <laughs> what does Ford make? Mustangs and the Ford Escort and the F one fifty pickup truck mm. and which I always thought God made Mustangs. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I've always been a Mustang man myself. It's <laughs> like it's like, well, do you realize that the Mustang logo came from Nazi Germany? And they're like, what? It's like, no, nah, I'm fucking with you. But Henry Ford did like Nazis and <laughs> had a medal from Hitler. He That's real <laughs> shit. You can look that up. I actually had to look that up because I didn't believe it when I heard it. I was like, there's no fucking way. Henry Ford, one of the greatest Americans of all time. He revolutionized Pure the manufacturing process. Yeah, he was like the world's greatest entrepreneur. He you know, invented pretty much the assembly line structure of manufacturing and all this kind of stuff. And he... You know, he, he was a own, Nazi. He created his own motor company and everything, and provided you know mobility to people all across the country. And then you know, and then it's like also he was like really big into Hitler. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! They never taught us that shit in school. You got to look that shit up. We we when we went to school, you never heard anybody say like, okay, Henry Ford. You know, he revolutionized the manufacturing process and made it easy for them to manufacture the Model Ts. And he was also yeah. a Nazi supporter. Right? Yeah. Well, now it would be like you know he also was like you know he also made sure that like his uh, his warehouse workers had like you know fair wage and all this kind of stuff. And he revolutionized a lot of things about the manufacturing industry. And then and then at the end, then you'd have a little asterisk to say, oh, by the way, he's also like really big into Nazis. You're like, what the fuck? Nobody ever taught us that. Well, that should be the first thing you said about him in this right. commercial. It it would be like the Volkswagen Beetle, the safest car on the road, also Nazis. Right. <laughs> Because Volkswagen came out of the Nazi party, you know, and so did uh, drink Fanta, Fanta, the delicious drink of Nazis. Right, not anymore. Coca Cola, the delicious drink of Nazis. Uh. It's like yeah, you can look at all this shit that was like influenced, like Mercedes Benz, uh, yeah. Ferdinand Porsche. You know, the inventor of the of the you know the Porsche automobile. You know, Ferdinand Porsche. You know, he worked for the Third Reich. You know, I mean, even one of the greatest rocket uh, scientists of all time, Werner von Braun, was a Nazi scientist until he defected to America and helped us build NASA. Because the Saturn V rocket we used we to get to the moon. We should have carved a fucking Nazi symbol in his forehead. Just saying. <laughs> no, Werner actually, once he defected from Germany, he was a dedicated American because he wanted to help NASA. No, he just wanted but, to live. Well, he wanted to live, but also... Like, no, he was a piece of shit. There's no way around I that. I mean... Uh, I mean, it, what we're saying is that sometimes your heroes aren't exactly what you think, but yeah. sometimes you're no, pers- nobody that had anything to do with Nazis is my hero. They're all pieces of shit. They might have came right. over here and helped us some, but they're all pieces of shit. And the people that let them help us are pieces of shit too. Right. 
Also, the other thing uh, is that uh, thankfully Albert Einstein didn't have anything to do with that. He left immediately and came to America as soon as the war started. Yes. And yes, good thing he yeah. did, too, so because... Luckily, he was not a Nazi supporter. But, uh... He did have some bad things, but that's for other podcasts. Probably, yeah. he'll be he'll probably be on uh, Behind the Bastards with Robert Evans at some point. You guys listen to that podcast. See how did this get made? See how that works? See how that works? They uh, reference somebody, and then we give them a shout-out. How about, how about that? You know, these celebrity podcasts, they don't they don't consider anything. They just think they own everything. Right, yeah. Uh, so I would just kind of suggest don't listen to celebrity podcasts because a lot of times you think the content is better than what it is just because they're celebrities. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know. That's up to debate. But the main thing about this movie in particular is that they don't paint Flint, Michigan in a bad light. It's just a regular town with, like, regular people. I thought that they were painted in the best light of anybody that was in it. I thought it's the Spurs like, looked like the biggest dick holes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, because the Spurs definitely come across as, like, just straight-up assholes in this movie. Yeah. But the, the thing that gets me is that, like, this person's like, oh, well, the context of the story is that Flint's not going to be able to keep their basketball team when the leagues merge because right. Flint's a smaller market and they don't think they're going to be able to have like a, like a full NBA team. Then they NBA make a thing team. that the four best teams should go. Uh-huh. But then even after that and uh, the Tropics are going to be one of the four best teams if they beat the Spurs, yeah. they're like, hey, even if place. you do beat the Spurs, you're not going. Because San Antonio is a bigger market than Flint. It's yeah. like they're still not going to take you because – they they want uh, they want the big markets. That's why the Nets got in. That's why the Spurs got in. It was like the Nuggets, and there was somebody else that got in out of that merger. Um, shit, I'm forgetting now entirely. But oh, they're all in the movie. I mean, it shows them there when they do that mm-hmm. little uh, ownership meeting in Indianapolis when they're they're like meeting with the commissioner or whatever. Which is David Keckner. He's awesome in this movie. Yeah. And he was Whammy. like, the, he's like, what the fuck? We had a deal. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's like, but I think in the interest of fairness. And then Jackie's like, what the fuck? And he was like, he's like pulling the table. Like he wants to flip the table over because <laughs> he's like, this is bullshit. Cause he's thinking like, Hey, we're safe. We're going to be in the NBA. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. And they're like, no, only four teams get in. We've already selected the four teams. And he's like, this is bullshit. And he's like, wants to flip the table over. And he, he keeps yeah. doing all this, and then you know he was like, he was like, well, why don't we just instead of just already selecting the four, why don't we make it the the four teams that have the best records? And then the other guy's like, well, you know, actually, I think that's kind of yeah, fair. That's it's a fair way, yeah. And then the commissioner's like, what the fuck? We made a deal, <laughs> like, you know. Um, and, and then everything's just kind of chaos because they're all arguing over like what they should do because the teams that already made it in are like, no, we should have our spot. We you know we shouldn't go back on that. And the smaller teams are like, no, we should have a chance, you know. But it, that was the that was the thing. It's like, of all the teams that they that they show on here, it's like, uh, a Flint actually shows the most heart of like all these teams because yeah, everybody else is just ready to just take the payout. And they just want to take the quit. payout and go. And the and the tropics are like, no, we mean a lot to this town. You know, it doesn't look like that at the beginning because in the very first sequence, there's like what maybe like thirty people there. They're like, there's nobody watching this game. And then eventually Jackie, because of the crazy shit that he does, like, 
yeah, I don't know, wrestling a fucking bear and then trying to, like, fucking evil Knievel jump on roller skates over a bunch of cheerleaders. Yeah, just his promotion. Like, like it's stuff. just, he's like a promotion genius, and he's just like, let's just do crazy shit and just get our name out there, and we'll get fans that will show up. And then Monix has to fucking coach the team. Monix is like, yeah, like, you, you might want to do all that, because, like, he's doing the choreography where he's, like, dressed up as the sun, and he has everybody it's else like, dressed up as the We have an like, extra costume, go over there, and it's like... Costume. Nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not, not getting that. that. Yeah, and then, uh, and then it's like you know he's talking about, you know, it's like you know we really need to have like an actual coach, Jackie. Like you're not a coach, and he was like, what? He was like, is this a fucking mutiny? Like, are you guys turning on me? I fucking getting. And he was like, he's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, I'll be the offensive and defensive coordinator, and you can be the head coach. And he was like, okay. And then they they kind of worked yeah. that out, and it literally means. Exactly the same shit. He just Jackie gets to keep his title of head coach, but, but he doesn't do money. any of the shit that actually means he's a coach. It's kind of like Bill Belichick with the Patriots. Right? Yeah, he doesn't uh. actually do shit, but he's also like the GM because I looked it up, and the Patriots GM is actually Bill Belichick. Right. So it's like your entire your entire receiving core is a bunch of little white boys that you found that were just like just got like rejected by other teams. So Tom Brady well, takes a pay cut. That's why he always cut. cuts people that get injured too. Right. So it's like Tom Brady always takes a pay cut to stay on the Patriots because you know he doesn't want his wage to escalate and then they can't get anybody. And then guess what? They have no running back and no receivers. <laughs> so his, so Tom is taking a pay cut for what? So Belichick can give Belichick him. Belichick doesn't cheapest, like him <laughs> because the, he gives him like the cheapest fucking receivers imaginable. It's yeah, like, it's hey. like here's you, Julian Edelman. It's like, oh yay. It's I like, hey, I got you, Josh Gordon. Probably, I don't, I don't know his career. Probably in Connecticut. I don't know. <laughs> no, Edelman came from like, was it like Kent State or something? Isn't he from Kent State? Sounds like we're saying the same place. <laughs> it's all practically the same shit. UConn, <laughs> Kent State. Who gives a fuck? It's, Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just a bunch of little white boys. Yeah, just a bunch of little white dudes. But that's the thing. It's like they can it, catch because they get pass interference calls when you manhandle them too much. Right. That should be. It's a like play. don't hurt that kid. Yeah. Dude's like thirty-five years old, ref. <laughs> He's a grown-ass man. I'm sorry. It's just the complex. These guys are tiny. Yeah, they they look kind of fucked up. <laughs> and you know, Belichick probably tells the refs before the games, like anytime they touch my receivers, throw a flag. Yeah. I need I need to get favorable calls in this one because I got to get to another Super Bowl. It's like oh, I have okay. some money. They're gonna call me the greatest coach of all time. Right. <laughs> Even though I like failed horribly at the Browns, and it wasn't until I cheated and then hired like amazing coordinators. <laughs> yeah, that I was actually able to win, and they also won several Super Bowls for the Adam Vinatieri. I got fired by Ozzy Newsom, you know, a guy that's like the most tolerant person ever for coaches. And will go in the Hall of Fame as a general manager, <laughs> and he's already in the Hall of Fame as a player. But you know, hey, anyway, but we're talking about basketball. But the thing. <laughs> The thing about this movie is it's like, if you wanted to say that, like, hey, this just shows that, like, well, if you come from, like, a smaller town and that kind of stuff, that you're just going to get shit on by, like, the big corporations and stuff. It's like, no, if anything, Flint showed that they were a pretty damn good town. Right. And, you know, even though some of their people might be fucked up, it's like, you know, you still, like, it still just feels like a regular town. And I don't think that, like, you watch this. You don't watch this movie. At least I don't watch this movie, and I don't feel like, man, they really kind of show Flint, Michigan as, like, a bunch of fuck-ups. Like, if, if everybody was, like, 
doing like a bunch of like crazy drugs and like you know raping people and being criminals and all this kind of shit then it's like yeah you're really you know saying that like just people from Flint are just a bunch of fucking crazy ass people we make fun of Florida all the time because a bunch of crazy shit happens in Florida but there's also good shit that happens in Florida too yeah you know like Limp Bizkit <laughs> no I was thinking more of like their their advancements in like marine biology but you know Ooh. if you want to go to Limp Bizkit okay <laughs> I don't want to go Limp Bizkit I, I was <laughs> went there (laughs) yeah you know uh yeah i mean you know there's there's pills for that kind of stuff but uh the thing limp biscuit does not mean that (laughs) what exactly is what does limp biscuit actually mean it means a circle of people jacking off on a biscuit is that what it means yes oh okay it's really gross i never actually heard that now having heard that i'm kind of kind of sad that I actually asked you what the fuck that that means and you did know what fuck. it means yes I did <laughs> so uh, but yeah I don't think this shits on Flint Michigan I don't think that this this no. just proves that the big corporations are always going to uh, shit on the little this guy is somebody reaching for something really that, that that's not there it's a comedy movie for one the, like, why are you getting a political agenda about a small town against large you know about you know against like a, a large basketball league like this how are you getting that from this movie when you have... It's a fucking Will Ferrell comedy movie. Why are you making this shit this political? Yeah, and Flint, Michigan seems like it comes out the best of anyone in this. Just Yeah, be because their their team actually works the hardest to try and make themselves good. And they got fucking Coffee Black on that They got shit. Coffee Black, man. For real. And Ed Monix. Yeah. And then they got... Uh, the guy that's such a good basketball player. The one dude's like, yes, Please fuck my girlfriend. Right, he was even he was even starting to like he was starting to jack himself off. Like, man, this is fucking getting me high. He's oh, like, shit. this is not okay. Yeah, this is not okay. It's like, wow, you you're the one fucking the dude's girlfriend, and then you're the also the ones like, this is not okay, man. This yeah, is fucked up. You should up. not be into this. Why are you <laughs> fucked up and into this? You should be pissed. And you should be, to be pissed and banging your girl. You're like, oh yeah. Yeah, the dude's just kind of like, oh fuck, man, this is getting me really high, you know. And then like when when Monix gets up after uh, they get kind of like interrupted, and he grabs the picture of the dude and covers his junk while he's like trying to pull his pants up, and you're like, how fucked up is that? That like he covers his dick with the guy's <laughs> own picture, and the guy's touching himself, being like, yo, Ed Monix is fucking my girl. It's like he's like, don't stop. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, man, this is getting me going. It's like, what? How fucked up are you that you're totally cool with this guy just he starts making out with her? Like at the end of it, he's like, yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, that dude's just completely <laughs> fucked up. But it's like, even though the people in this movie are fucked up and have some issues that they have to deal with, it doesn't mean that the city looks bad. It just happens to take place in Flint, Michigan. It's not like the city itself is like a character or something. It's not it's, like they showed you where Kid Rock lived or something. Right, yeah. Like, uh, it's Which is just, probably I, like the biggest trailer park ever. <laughs> like he has like a mansion trailer. Right, Wouldn't yeah. Wouldn't that be, like, cool? That would actually be kind of cool. That would actually be kind of cool. Just see, like, it's like, yo. It's like it's a like, trailer, but it's, like, it's like, like four stories. double wide? And it's like, <laughs> no, I have an eight wide trailer. They're like, holy yeah. fuck, I've never seen that. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep it rolling, baby. Keep it rolling, okay. baby. <laughs> Back to the Limp Bizkit shit again. <laughs> Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Uh, but that's just the thing. It's like, you know, you, cause you can imagine Kid Rock would be, cause he's also, you know, he's a Michigan guy. Yeah. Uh, we've already did an episode on Eminem. He's a Michigan guy. 
So, you know, we, we love, you know, Jim Harbaugh, and he's a Michigan guy, you know. Yes. Hashtag don't fire Harbaugh. Either of them. Uh, <laughs> that actually can go for either Harbaugh, really. Although, uh, John Harbaugh got an extension, so I think he's good now. Yes. Um, but, His uh, wife but, is enjoying it. Yeah, but yeah, I would imagine so. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, we pay a lot of respects to Michigan because we, we all, I mean, we, we even use, you know, Kid Rock and, and the Tokyo Drift episode. We, we played some Kid Rock as part of ball the intro. Ball with the ball. Ball with the ball, the bang, the bang, diggy. Yeah. You know, like we. But you just came up with that. Like, just like, hey, that kind of, kind of sounds fun. Yeah. And it does sound. It we does. We did sound. like three hours covering, you know, Eminem. So we definitely have a lot of respect for M. We defended him for like damn near three hours. So it's listen like, to the episode. yeah, listen to the Eminem episode, you know, shameless self-promotion. Um, but it's like, even though this jackass feels like they're shitting on the city, it's like, they're not, they're actually showing that the people of Flint, they do have to work a lot harder than some other people, but these are hardworking people. They might be a little bit fucked up, but at the end of the day, they come together. Cause even coffee leaves the Spurs and is like, fuck no, uh, you know, Jackie's my guy, man. I'm going to go play for the tropics. Yeah. You know, and the Spurs guys like the Spurs coach is like, well, he's like, well, if you leave, you'll never make the NBA. You'll be a has been. And he was like, fuck that man. I'm gonna go back and help Jackie. Like Jackie needs my help. Yeah, you it's know. like, would you give up the NBA for this? And he was like, we started something, didn't we? Yeah, fourth place. We're getting to fourth place. That's what we're supposed to yeah. do. And then you know? Will Ferrell woke up and he was like, my mom, my mom told me something. It's called the alley oop. Right. <laughs> and then when they first, when they first like execute that, that everybody's like. What the fuck just happened? What and then we the just ref see? fucking calls a penalty. There's a penalty. It's it's two penalties. <laughs> right. It's two penalties. Uh, you, and then, uh, and then and they're Monix, like, what? And Monix explains to him. He's like, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay, I guess. Because Monix is like, that's not illegal. You can totally yeah, do like, that. He's like, no one got touched and no one uh, traveled. No one so traveled that's legal. because he passed it to him while he's in the air. Yeah. You know, and it's the, like. As soon as they started doing that, it was like a deadly weapon because the Spurs didn't really understand how to defend any of that shit. But, but that's but also I think since we're talking about him when he like goes into that dream sequence and he's like knocked out and he sees his mom, mm-hmm. I'm like when you first like because you always hear about his mom during the movie and you have no clue what she looks like. You the only time you ever see her right. is when he's knocked out and he's like he, he can communicate with her when he's like blacked out or whatever. And then you see it, and you're like, "Holy fuck, that's Patty Labelle!" <laughs> like his mom's Patty Labelle. You're like, "That would explain the afro so much now." Right, right. That makes a lot of sense, you know. And the fact that he's like, uh, you know, that he's he, like, he's so her feels, dad would have had to been like Jack Nicholson or something. Yeah, his his dad would have had to been like super white, you know, in order to balance that out. Because you're like, "Wait, how the fuck did he turn out as white as he did?" And his mom's Patty LaBelle. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. He was supposed sense. to be like Blake Griffin, like the original. Right, Blake yeah. Griffin. No, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's If they were going to do a modern day version of Jackie Moon, it would be fucking Blake Griffin. It would Griffin. be Blake Griffin. Oh yeah, my God, yeah. that would be awesome. <laughs> Imagine if they ever did like a semi pro 2 or something, yeah. or did like a sequel, and it's like Jackie Moon's son is actually Blake Griffin. Yeah. That yeah. would be fucking it's amazing. Blake Griffin, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be so cool. It's like you wouldn't have, I mean, he would just be playing, he'd be playing like Jackie Moon's son. He would be like, you know, something like John Moon or something like that. He'd be a different character. But imagine seeing that like in a sequel, seeing like Blake Griffin as Jackie Moon's son. That would be amazing. That would be cool. Hollywood fucking get on that shit or we'll write it and we'll fucking send it to you. You guys are fucking up everything. You guys are fucking up everything. You got a guy who actually could be something like Jackie Moon and you fucked it up, didn't even use him. 
Jesus. And yeah, you're talking about fucking re- redoing Space Jam with fucking LeBron James. You you cannot be Jordan. You can be a good actor, but you cannot be Jordan on the basketball Should court. Should have been Blake Griffin still because he's funnier. He definitely is. But uh, but we'll go ahead and we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll go into our uh, last comment. We'll finish it up. Let's get into it. Yeah. that was the legendary James Brown. Yes. Uh, This is, this is the funkiest soundtrack I think we've, we've ever encountered for a movie. Yeah. I kind of like the funk though. I I, I am a fan of funk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like, you know, if it wasn't for stuff like, like Jim Brown doing what he was doing, we wouldn't have had people like Prince because Prince was like, his music was an evolution of that kind of funk. Yeah. it, It really was like, I mean, you know, Prince is probably one of the most legendary musicians ever, but James Brown was. I mean, funk music was was in if you can still do it to this day, which pretty much no one can. I mean, um, like, I mean, like Morris Day and the Time still tour, and they do some shows here and there. But I'm talking about. I was really talking about newer people doing it. Oh, new people like they you know, can't do it because people like, are going to be like, "What about Bruno Mars? Like, what about Bruno Mars? He can't he doesn't do, do shit funk. Like that. He's pop." Yeah, he's pop music. He he will have some stuff that sounds like it's funk music, but yeah, it's like really the not. Uptown Funk song. Like Uptown it's, Funk. It's a it's a pop song, and the reason it is a pop song because it it's not about anything. Right. Funk music was always about something. It was about something. Yeah. You know, and uh, that that's just you know, funk is kind of like uh, blues in a way, like. Uh, Blues always told a story. Funk always told a story because it's usually, right. you know, kind of torture people. You acting like you're doing funk or acting like you're doing blues isn't doing blues or doing funk. Right, yeah. It's still pop music. Yeah, Which exactly. is basically the act of trying to do music. That's how I would defy it. The act of trying to do music is pop music. Right. <laughs> you know, like like I don't think Britney Spears is pop anymore because she does music now. Right. Whenever she was first starting, she was a pop musician. Right. Because that's what the record label wanted her to be. Yeah, she wasn't doing her own music. She was just a face and a sound. Right. Same thing with like Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Same thing with uh, like Mandy Moore. All those girls that came out like in the early two thousands. Yeah, that- Mandy Moore, Sheriff Cali. Only reason I know that is because I have kids. Right, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, it's uh, but it's it's kind of refreshing because like whenever you have like these uh these like throwback movies like this that have that 
that old school sort of soundtrack. It's like it really does. It, that, and that's not to go like on a super like music tangent, but like nobody sounds like James Brown anymore. We don't right. have shit like that anymore. That yeah. that that kind of sound is never going to be recreated because nobody does shit like that now. I'm I'm kind of grateful for that because you know something like a Johnny Cash, like no one sounds like Johnny Cash. No, you have people that you know are inspired by Johnny Cash. But, like, really, whenever you were like, hey, who would the next Johnny Cash be? And people would be like, oh, maybe, what about the guys from Volbeat? And it's like, well, well, Volbeat's awesome, and they were inspired by Johnny Cash. That's a metal but that's, that's not what you would say, who's the next Johnny Cash? Like, the next Johnny Cash, a guy that's tortured and can speak like he does and kind of stand alone, it'd be somewhere along the lines of, like, Corey Taylor or something like that. Or Jack White. Or Jack White, maybe. But, but it, it's a different type of music because they don't play yeah, country. They don't play country. Which Johnny Cash really wasn't country either. He was just kind of one of those guys that was kind of in between. Yeah. He kind of had his own category, like uh, Jerry Lewis. Yeah. You know, he was he in was his listed own, as rockabilly, but he did a lot of other shit. It it was just so hard to define in his time. Like that's why you can still listen to these people today, though, is because they might have been category. Like Johnny Cash might have been called country but he didn't sound like any other country musician Uh -uh. because you could put on you could put on something like I'm trying to think of like like Hank Williams Sr. right? Right. You put on Hank Williams Sr. and you could put on Johnny Cash and you're like okay who's the guy that's talking about like he you know like the the cocaine blues who's that? that? That's Johnny Cash. But okay, you, he sounds way different from everybody. You could else. also play Hank Williams Senior though against pretty much any other country artist, and you'd be like, "Well, this guy stands out, right?" Because Hank Williams Senior is considered the father of country, but country really didn't follow in his footsteps because uh-huh. he's kind of one of a kind in the country music genre because no one else could do what he could do. Like Hank Williams Junior couldn't do what his father could do so much that he basically created country rock right because that's kind of his own deal <laughs> yeah like yeah. he 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 can't come close to the, like the sad country that his father did so he just made upbeat country which ended up being like the country rock stuff like toby keith and garth brooks and stuff like that right yeah and um uh mcgraw yeah tim yeah, mcgraw tim brooks McGraw. and dunn stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah stuff like that yeah but uh, which <laughs> this was is the big, country music, cast. yeah, which which was basically rock, but with a country yeah. accent. Like, oh yeah, you know because Garth Brooks wanted to be a country, uh, wanted to be a rock star, but he didn't have the voice for it. But he had the talent, so he yeah. just decided to just do it in a country voice. Yeah. So and it, look at I mean, hey, it wasn't like it was it made his career any worse. Yeah. And, I mean, he's Most one successful of the country, yeah, <laughs> country singers of all time. I mean, I mean he's, George Strait. So right, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, um, let's go on. But the comment uh, we just went off a tangent there, but there was a point there. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. We're just trying to say that, like, hey, shit, like, uh, like James Brown, we'll probably never have again. But hey, at least we don't have to worry about somebody fucking that up. So anyway, <laughs> um, so as far as the other comment goes, this is the last comment, and then part of a comment that I didn't really have anything else for it to go, but I wanted to make sure I, I copied it so I could remember it. <laughs> But uh, the main, the last main comment is this. Uh, it says, 
Has the underdog basketball uh, team uh, style not been used 97 friggin' times already? Seriously, it's like they were shopping for ideas out of the discount bin at Walmart. Try, people, just once. Try to make an original movie so you don't have to waste time wondering why your uh, Frankenstein movie patched together from other used ideas tanked. Here is a movie in which literally nothing works. Not the concept, not the performances, and certainly not the writing. Indeed, the makers of Semi-Pro seem to think that merely throwing the decidedly doughy Pharrell into a basketball uniform and having him shoot hoops with a bunch of equally dweeby knuckleheads would just be too hilarious for words. It isn't. In fact, if this in this movie, virtually every joke, pratfall, and sight gag lands on the court with a resounding thud, despite the best efforts of, the, of its hapless cast. I guess the one lesson to be gleaned from all this is that funky fashions and, uh, and quaint 1970s references alone are not enough to carry a movie, especially when one is stuck with a script as devoid, uh, script uh, with a script as devoid of taste, uh, imagination, and humor as the one Scott Armstrong has come up with here. Semi-pro doesn't move past its promising beginning; instead, it falls completely flat. Usually, the lack of plot and, and point to Will Ferrell's movies is actually part of their charm. And his latest films, including this one, it isn't. Well, as far as underdog basketball movies, unless you guys really know something that I don't, um, you can always email us at beyondthehate at yahoo.com. But the only ones that I know about are Space Jam, right? Glory Road, White Man Can't Jump, which was also Woody is that Walsh. is that really like an underdog movie though? It's, it's not a, like really an underdog movie. Well, Woody's supposed to be an underdog. I mean, in that but movie. they're like but they're like street hustlers. They hustle people on the streets for for cash. Okay, so that one's questionable. That's one's uh, that one I would say like it's a basketball movie, but it's not really an underdog. Hoosiers, I don't think. Hoosiers, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, uh, you could maybe it's say just that. a really good basketball movie, but but, but they are kind of the underdogs. But it does have Gene Hackman, which makes you think that they're always going to win. Right? Yeah. So I almost say that's invalid too. Uh, rebound with uh, Martin Lawrence. That okay. was an underdog movie. Uh, and basketball. And that one, but that's not really like it. I mean, it's, it's an not even basketball. It's not. It's basketball. It is but, basketball. But the thing about basketball is like, what's the underdog part of that? That they're like a new league trying to get big. They fucking do get big. They're not really underdogs. They, they invented the entire league. Right. They invented an entirely new sport, basically. Yeah. That's the a, two guys that are supposed to be the underdogs in the story created the league. Right. Yeah. So they're not really the underdogs. They're really the overlords of that story. Right. Like so they're, they're just underdogs. like yeah, they're not really underdogs. It's just they're they're trying to they're about to have their team taken away from them, and then they have to stop that. They're not really at a disadvantage. They're just about to lose a team. Right. Yeah. They're actually the best at this sport <laughs> because they fucking invented it. They invented it. So right. that's not really an underdog story either. So you really have Space Jam and Semi Pro. And then rebound with Martin Lawrence, so you have really three underdog basketball. Movies? And they're saying that there's something like ninety fucking movies that has done this, and it's like no. Email us those then, because I don't know of any others. Like I know. We're not of, talking about Airbud. Airbud's invalid. Is it's a fucking dog? 
It's a dog, yes. <laughs> Airbud does not count. And like Mike doesn't count either, because that's not an underdog story. That's that's a story about a little Bow Wow becoming a basketball player because he has Jordan's shoes. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, what was the movie that they did with Kevin Durant, Thunderstruck? Thunderstruck. Right. Yeah. That doesn't Kevin count Durant either. Because <laughs> uh, that's not an underdog story. No, I, uh, I haven't seen it, but I don't remember it being one of those. If you want to talk about like an underdog story in sports, okay, but not like really basketball. Like Mighty Ducks, that's pretty much an underdog story. Understory. The Replacements. The Replacements. With Reeves, um, Shane fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, the Longest Yard. The Longest Yard, because they actually that's have to underdog. play the guards or whatever. Which are like fucking stacked full of like all these like crazy NFL players. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Uh, and <laughs> Goldberg's in that movie. And yeah. It's like, uh, what was it, like, Michael Irvin's in that movie, and, like, uh, mm-hmm. is it Michael Irvin, or am I mm-hmm. thinking of something else? Okay. Um, uh, and then there's, like, Waterboy. Waterboy is an underdog football movie. Not a basketball movie. Not a basketball movie. Dodgeball is a true underdog story. That's... Would you consider Blue Chips an underdog basketball movie? No, because they paid for players. That's the yeah. whole point of that story. Yeah, they're they're paying for players. They're paying for blue chippers. Like they're not really underdogs because they're paying to get all these bad. The whole players. story is about them paying for, and it's actually kind of funny because you find a lot of resemblance in the people that get paid off. Like the one kid is you know supposed to be Larry Bird, mm-hmm. and then you know Shaq's supposed to actually be Shaq in the movie. Like, <laughs> right. You know, because Which is funny because yeah. the reason that Shaq, after he got drafted to the Magic and he was shooting the movie, um, he was telling the Magic ownership, like, hey, this Penny Hardaway kid, this kid is legit because I've been seeing him when we've been shooting scenes because he was like, we actually had to play real basketball in those sequences. Like, we understand... You know that there's going to be like dramatic elements, but it's like there are sections where we're just playing just pure basketball just so they can get it on screen, and then they'll edit what we play in the games to make up the rest of the blue chips movie. Right. And he was like, "We're actually playing like real basketball," and he was like, "He was like this Hardaway kid, like he is fucking amazing. You guys have got to do something to get him when he goes into the draft." And so, the Magic ownership believed in what Shaq said so much that they were like, "Okay." What we're going to do is we're going to execute a trade. We're going to draft Chris Webber, and then the uh, the Warriors are going to draft Penny Hardaway, and then draft night, the agreement is we'll swap. The Warriors get Chris Webber from Michigan. I think it's Michigan. And then the Magic get Penny Hardaway from Memphis, and they'll swap on the draft night and then right. trade the, the players off because of the, the agreement that they had beforehand. Penny would not have been at the Magic had it not been for Shaq playing with him on the court for Blue Chips. Blue Chips. And I remember like hearing that story, and I was like, that's awesome. I was like, if only the Magic could have stayed together. If Penny hadn't got hurt and Magic hadn't got fucked over on his contract and went to L.A., they could have been something. because Yeah, for a while, For actually. a long time, because if they had actually paid Shaq and had, had kept him in Orlando... They would have they would have had a dynasty. They would have had probably two three championships with that team because they were with the combination of Shaq and Penny. You it was hard to stop them. And then they had all those three point shooters and all these different like they had all those veterans like Horace Grant went to that team. Uh, Horace, Horace Grant was Grant. on that team. Like they had really fucking good players. But it just goes to show you that it's like, you know, sometimes with these like 
with these sports movies in particular, it's like the underdog story does happen a lot in those in in a lot of these sports movies, but it's because uh, or even like Miracle, the hockey movie, you know, right? The USA defeating the Russians. Kurt Russell. Yes. Um, that was an underdog story because everybody thought the Russians were just going to kill the Americans on the hockey, and then they ended up winning the gold medal. And the yeah, Russians but basketball underdog stories are not that much. They're not like, that prevalent that you have to actually make like a thing out of it. Like this is just a trope, and everybody has these like you know these like basketball like shitty basketball team movies where they're the underdogs. It's like that doesn't really happen as much as this person thinks that no. it does. That's pretty fucked up to like, it's like, because that's somebody who just thinks that there's a lot of those basketball movies, but it's like, if you're on the internet and you have the ability to type shit into IMDB and, and spout your nonsense, you also have a thing available to you on the internet called Google that you can go into that you yeah. can look up basketball movies and see how many basketball movies are underdog type movies. It's not as numerous as people might think it is, and especially this jackass, it's not as numerous as they think it is. No, I mean, know what you're talking about before you say something. Or everything that you said is irrelevant. Right. Uh, now, the, the smaller comment that I have here, I'll go ahead and do this part. It says, uh, uh, yeah, personally, I think the ABA deserves a better treatment than what it got from this film. In some ways, it revolutionized pro basketball. They came up with a three-point shot. They allowed the freewheeling street ball style offense uh, back in the day. Uh, an NBA player showboating uh, is going to get chastised by the coach and the ABA just let them do whatever. If women's baseball can get a league of their own for their movie, why does the ABA have to get stuck with semi-pro? And I was like, when I read that, I was like, okay, like a league of their own is a fucking amazing movie. Tom Hanks. It's fucking Tom Hanks. It's like Madonna. It's Gina Davis. Like it's got like a really good cast in it. Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell's in this movie, and then um, and then who's the what's the name of the girl that plays um, Gina Davis's little sister in the movie? The girl that played what's her name in the movie? Cat, right? Isn't her name Cat? And I have totally forgot her. I name. fucking don't remember because it's been forever since I've watched a League of Their I'm Own. Sorry, she's a great actress. She's a great uh, actress. I just do not remember her I name. Just don't. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> if we were doing that movie, we would totally know her name. But yeah. no, we. We are at a blank. Oh, so if I sorry. ever find hate for a League of Their Own, we will definitely cover that. Sure, movie. there is. There is Gina Davis in the movie. Right, and Gina Davis is kind of polarizing to some people. If we didn't learn that from the Beetlejuice episode, yes, <laughs> um, polarizing. Which I think right. Sean Van Dien said that that is now a term for uh, Amy Poehler. Right, <laughs> polarizing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, but that's the thing. It's like if you're going to say that, like, well. So the the movie of that that features the ABA right is going to be semi pro and they're like, why the fuck is this the only movie that's ever been done about the ABA? And it's like, well, because the ABA story is not really like that fantastical. It'd be like somebody like, hey, we're gonna make a movie about the USFL. It's like it, it only lasted like what five or six years. Yeah. And what was the best shit we got out of the USFL? I mean. What did we get out of the USFL? I think Warren Moon, right? Wasn't he like the best thing that came out of the USFL? That's it. What's, and then, what's well, your, then Steve Young play for the USFL before he went to the Niners? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he didn't. He play for the USFL, uh, and then he got picked up later. 
I want to say so, but the best quarterback out of that would have been Warren Moon, obviously, because he's a fucking Hall of yeah, Famer. Yeah, well, it would have been Warren Moon, 100%. Uh, I forget. Yeah, because I don't remember anything else, really, that the... I, I think there was a few rules that the uh, USFL used that the NFL took later on after the USFL died, and they disbanded that league, but... It's like, nobody's going to make a movie about that, because it's like, who the fuck... Until I said the USFL, did you even remember that that league existed? Yeah, I mean, I did, but, but I, it wasn't important. It. Like, it's not something I constantly think about. Like, like man, they should have uh, made a remember movie. remember those days of the USFL? Right. <laughs> no one remembers the days of the USFL. Right, yeah. Like, nobody's going to remember that shit. But it's like, you know, the ABA, it's like, it wasn't a super important thing. The NBA is what it is now because it absorbed that league and made everything better. They took the best teams out of that league and they made an overall better product and they put basketball in more cities and everything was solidified. And the NBA benefited because the ABA brought the three-point line with them when they came over. And the ABA also started the dunk contest because they had a dunk contest for the ABA. You didn't have that in the NBA. So the dunk contest... The three-point line, and then there's also some other, like, rules that they, when the ABA was absolved into, or absorbed into the NBA, that they they stole some of those ideas. They're like, yeah, we're going to actually keep that. That's a good idea. Yeah, those are ours. You guys were on a good route. Right. But, uh, thanks for bitching out. Thanks for being bitches and taking the payoff, because <laughs> now we're going to steal all your shit. All of it. All of it. Because it's ours. It's ours. Uh... <laughs> But uh, I just think that, like, to say that, like, hey, women's women's baseball during World War II gets a league of their own. They get, like, this really good, like, sports comedy kind of masterpiece. And they're like, and the ABA gets semi-pro. This is not even fair. It's like, who really gives a shit about that? And the reason why the league of their own, or a league of their own, was as good as it was, was because it also showed a lot of the drama that goes on with these women, too. You know, I mean, it had comedy stuff in it, but it also had some dramatic stuff, too. And also, you have motherfucking Tom Hanks. Practically anything that he has, he's ever done has been fantastic. So, you're really, you're really trying to find sympathy for something that you're just never going to find. Nobody's really going to be, like, you know, you know, crying tears over the fact that they haven't done the ABA justice in a movie. It's like, this is as good as you're going to probably get. And it's a comedy movie. Fucking enjoy it. Like, quit. Why does everybody take this shit and make it super political and deep? It's a fucking Will Ferrell movie about a shitty basketball team that tries to work together. Yeah, it's just you know? a joke. It's like a. It's just comedy. Right. I mean, and especially like it, because this is the same movie where like a, a Jackie like he travels and he like gets whistled for it and he's like, "Suck my cock, I'll murder your family." <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> Father Pat's like. You know, they have that whole exchange where he's talking about, like, you know, if your mom even got into heaven. And he's, yeah, like, he's like, we're getting out of here, man. We're gone. And then, Shut it all down. Yeah, and then Lou, the uh, Will Arnett's character, who is, like, one of the best announcers ever in, like, the history Will of Arnett? anything. Will Arnett's fucking amazing as Lou. Was it Lou Redman? The, uh, yeah. He was the uh, the other announcer. To, well, who, who do you think Dick was Pepper the best Field? announcing core? The announcing core in this movie are in Dodgeball. 
Oh, fuck. Oh, that's <laughs> difficult. Oh, my God. That's a ballsy move, Cotton. Let's see how it pans out. Because uh, that's Jason Bateman and Gary Cole. And Gary Cole. And then this and is, this is uh, Derek Daly Derek, and, yeah, yeah. and Will Arnett. <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck, that's difficult. I don't know. I don't know. We need to have an announce-off that would be like those two announce crews head-to-head in a movie, and then you'd be able to see... I don't My, think I could judge that. You I, guys, if you feel like you can judge that, send us an email at beyondthehateyahoo.com because I just can't decide. Oh, so here's another monkey wrench you could throw into that, right? Okay. What about the announce crew from Major League? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The announce yeah, crew from yeah. Major League was Major fucking League, hilarious, Yeah, too. it was yeah. really good. So, okay, we'll go Major League, Dodgeball, and Semi-Pro. Who had let's, the best announce crew? Yeah, let, let's see. Let's do this Epic three-way battle. Right, yeah, triple threat match. Because, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, my my gut would lean towards dodgeball, but having watched this again, I forgot how good Lou and Dick Pepperfield are. You know, I think Will Arnett alone uh, is enough to take on the crew in dodgeball, and I am a huge fan of Jason Bateman and Gary right. Cole. They are both hilarious and but man Will Arnett is fucking that's difficult man to try and make a decision on that because daily both of those crews he's are amazing, amazing too I mean damn that's that's a hard one that's why we can't decide you guys decide right <laughs> uh but I guess that'll do it for semi pro I think we've we've done Will Ferrell justice here today um yeah well and and guys you know that thank you and Good night. Remember, it's all fun and games until we show up. Listen to us on Spotify, uh, Google, Google iTunes, iTunes, all this stuff. And stay tuned for after this because we're going to play a clip of our um, brother show, F-U-C-T News. Our good buddy uh, Sean Van Dien. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, uh, doing a little advertising for him. A little cross-promotion. Yeah, so you guys, hopefully you enjoy and go listen and subscribe to him and subscribe to us if you like this podcast. And if you have anything to say about either one of us, you can always email us at beyondtheaidatyahoo.com because Sean Van Dien only works on Twitter. Right. (laughs) So if you want to tweet at him, Good luck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Prepare your anus. Good day. This is F-U-C-T News with Sean Van Dien. After recent backlash, I'm sorry for saying the word retarded. Only once when referring to Channing Tatum. A criminal was arrested in Michigan for painting a giant penis on Kid Rock's house. He is set to receive the equivalent of the death penalty. 20 hours of Kid Rock music. (laughs) Time travel has been invented. But it can only go backward, and only for a hundred years. But what is the use in that? 1910, World War I. 1920, the first Mickey Mouse cartoon. 1930, the Great Depression. 40, World War II. 50, the Cold War. 60, the Vietnam War. 1970, the Munich Olympic Massacre. 1980, AIDS. 1990, Columbine. Personally, I think I'd go back and stop that damn mouse. After further review of the movie Infinity War, Thanos randomly could have wiped out all women or all men on multiple planets, thus killing the planet completely. So think about that next time, Thanos supporting pro-dead Spider-Man communist. Not my words, of course. Charles McDowell, whose mugshot went viral thanks to his oversized neck, may be taking his fame to the next level. 
Rumors are that he is being casted in Godzilla, King of Monsters, as one of Godzilla's nemesis, Neclodon. He is also rumored to be forming his own band, called Neckleback. Millennials were asked if they would fight if the world gave rise to another Hitler. Half did not know who he was, and the other half said, Fighting is mean, and you can't make me. I'm tired. This has been F-U-C-T News. So remember to get fucked.